Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Myself and Nick were just chatting as we come up there. I really like going to the hairdressers. <laughs> really like. I find it very calming to kind of just sit there and I. Maybe this is weird. I, this might be weird. I close my eyes for the entire thing. You don't fall asleep. No, I sort of. I tune. You fall asleep at the hairdressers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? I had, I had a long shift. I think I was working. It was when I was still working nights at ZDF. So I was starting at one in the morning and getting home at ten in yeah. the morning. And then I went for a hairdresser appointment at three, so I slept I think two hours. And I was sitting there. Like, uh, uh, uh. Okay, <laughs> that's when his ear had to be reattached. Anyway, here to talk football is me, Ian McCourt, along with Deutsche Welle's Ali Moody. Hello. And Nick McKenna Klein. Hello. The usual crew and the usual shout out to get cracking on some iTunes talk. Wherever you are in the world, please go to your local iTunes store. Give us a rating. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the podcast. It would as ever be most appreciated. So we've had oh, almost a week to take in the Champions League final. Firstly, oh, you were there in I Wales. There. I was indeed. How was it? What was the atmosphere like? Was the it good? atmosphere was amazing. And I honestly don't think I've ever been in a city... Uh, or, or near a football game with that kind of atmosphere before. Um, so Cardiff is quite a small city. I don't know if you've been there before. but No, I've only ever been to um, Hollyhead in Wales. Uh-huh. And no, it, it's best we leave my thoughts about Hollyhead. Quan, you go ahead. Yeah, just in case we've got any Welsh fans listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Cardiff has got something like 350,000 people in it, mm-hmm. population. And it's estimated that about 170,000 people went to the city for the Champions League final. So oh, wow. it's like, take half the population and like add it in again, you know? And as you can imagine, the town centre was jam-packed. And it was a really good atmosphere, though. Like People were drinking from nine o'clock in the morning or whatever. Um, but there was no trouble wherever I went. Was security tight at all or was it okay? It wasn't noticeably tighter than other big events that I've been to. There were a lot of police around, but it wasn't as though anyone felt kind of like they were being sort of watched the whole time. Right. Or it whatever. didn't impinge on the experience. No, not at all. And you had loads of fans like getting songs going and everything. Um, you had like you sort of song battles kind of mm-hmm. thing as well between Juve and Real fans. They were separated to an extent, like so the, the southern part uh, of that part of the city was for Juve fans and the, the part closer to the castle, slightly to the north of that was for Real fans. But there was a lot of mixing and um, there was no like tension between the fans. There was no trouble. Mm-hmm. I know that um, Italian football at times gets a, a, a has a poor reputation in terms of hooliganism or whatever, but that was certainly not the case here. There was, I didn't see anything untoward and everybody was getting into the spirit and the whole town was taken over and it was just brilliant to be part of. Did you watch it anywhere as glamorous as Cardiff, Nick? No, I was actually at one football on Saturday, and then I left as, well, as soon as as soon as the game started. So I watched it in the train on my phone. So I was in transit <laughs> on, a, on a mini iPhone. Was, did you really? Was, I did. Yeah, the full game. Well, most of it because I was also going to a birthday party. So I was, you know, watched I think ten minutes at home up until half time before I left again. And uh, I mean, it was interesting watching it in, in trams and, and trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't quite concentrate on the game the same way that you usually would. But I thought, I mean. I'm, what got me going was the whole Super Bowl, Super Bowl atmosphere beforehand, like this whole oh, entertainment. Yeah. What, what, I mean, I don't mind. I get it. You need to have some sort of pregame shindig. Fine, no problem. But sending the players off the pitch to set up the stage, I find is you can't do that. I mean, the, the, the players should be sent to stage, not not the 
Not the entertainers beforehand. Yeah, it's the tail I mean, wagging the, the dog, isn't it? Mm. The Black Eyed Peas, too. Oh, What's happened to Fergie? I noticed Fergie wasn't about. Has she left the Black Eyed Peas? Got no idea, because the Black Eyed Peas were at that one, one Manchester thing on, was it Sunday or Monday? Yeah. And Ariane, Ariana Grande took her place to mm-hmm. sing uh-huh. Where Is the Love. So, I don't know, maybe she's... If anybody yeah, out there knows... Have to ask, there. We'll have to ask Josh, Josh Duhamel what he's done with her. Okay. Mm. You know they're married, right? Because you're just looking at me as if... I, that, I have no uh, idea no. who he is. Oh, okay. He's an actor. <laughs> okay. There we go. My celebrity game, unless it's, <laughs> unless it's say, like rappers or like maybe indie bands, then yeah, I'm lost. Football players? <laughs> I probably know one or two football players. Yeah. But I think you could, like, I reckon a relatively big celebrity. Like, I know some names, but say, like, Say, for example, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I know that name, but if she walked by, I wouldn't have a clue who she is. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston, I'd know. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't? Friends? Friends, yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, or like say Christian Bale, I probably wouldn't know what he looks like. Really? Not a Batman fan. Oh, that's him. In, that is him in mm. Batman, right? Yeah. With the slick back hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was good. A little bit American long, but it was good. as well. I mean, he's aged. Oh, that's true. Spend, maybe, you know? Yeah, maybe I might know Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there must be others. Yeah. The name Bale sort of ties into the Champions League conversation here too. So it does, nice but we don't we don't want to talk about Bale. We want to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo, don't <laughs> we? And we is do. he the best ever? Is he the best ever? Uh, is he even the best Six, at the moment? Is he better than Messi? Well, six hundred goals. That's and insane. He's, yeah. He he you know he turned <coughs> the final on its head. He got the he got the opening goal. He, he got the third goal. He well, got the third it? goal that really killed off Juventus. Mm-hmm. I mean, six hundred goals. He scored that in the Champions League final. He's probably... It's four Champions League t- titles now as well, isn't it? Because mm. he's got three at Real and one at uh, Man United. Mm-hmm. He's probably the, the greatest like clutch player of all time. Like the, the player who, when the goal is most needed, turns up with it on, on the most regular... Okay, or, you know, with the most regularity with, on the most occasions. Certainly this season. Yeah. I mean, was it 10 goals since the quarterfinals? Hat-trick, yeah. hat-trick. Did two hat-tricks back-to-back, didn't he, in back-to-back yeah. games. Um, two goals in the semi-finals or in one semi-final game. Mm-hmm. And then, and then two, two on, the final. on the final. Yeah, yeah. He, he really has turned up in the big games. If you look at his uh, record in La Liga this season, he's not scored nearly as many goals as he used to or not as many as Messi or whatever, um, which shows perhaps that he is in decline in terms of his general level of performance, but he's still turning up in the biggest games and scoring goals. Um, 600 goals, as you say, is a, a ludicrous figure. Uh, he has had a phenomenal career in the last couple of years in particular have really tied it off you know winning the european championship winning a couple more champions league titles a couple more uh is it still called the ballon d'or yeah yeah uh a couple more of those um phenomenal player but in terms of actual level of ability is he better than messi no that's the thing i mean would we be having this conversation if there was no messi i mean if it was just ronaldo and ronaldo had played the way he's played over the last let's say 10 10 years we wouldn't be having this conversation of whether or not he's the, he's the best. I mean, the best ever, maybe, but he's had to share the limelight with Messi and, because they're just both mm-hmm. two fantastic players. I think technically Messi is a better player. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think he can do more with the ball than Ronaldo can. But Ronaldo's but, arguably the more complete package with the physicality, the heading and whatnot. I think he might even be more determined. I've got this feeling, mm. I think he's just, he's just Ronaldo is, he just wants to score goals. He wants, not that Messi doesn't, but just the 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 way he presents himself he he's out there to win and 
It's just weird. It's weird, strange. It's hard to describe. I like that. I like I, for a long time it was seen that Messi was seen as this nice, humble dude, and that was the image that was very much sold to the public. And Ronaldo was seen as sort of the opposite of that evil, arrogant sort of dude. I like his arrogance. Yeah, he is good. He should be proud of it. I yeah. really like that side to him, and I. It annoys me that people think he should be a bit more humble about it. Sometimes it is hilarious watching him throwing one of those massive strops on the pitch. But it, it, that's, he hasn't been but it's entertainment. Like oh, it's like football is yeah. entertainment, and he is an entertaining player to watch. Yeah, Ronaldo has grown on me over time. I wasn't keen on him uh, back in his Man United days. It's probably got a lot to do with sort of club what. rivalry. Funnily enough, um, but yeah, since he joined Real Madrid, I think um, I've grown to love the the arrogance, as you say, as well, mm-hmm. like the. I remember at the Euro last summer um, against Hungary. I think Hungary had just made it 2-2 or something like that. And he threw this massive hissy fit on the pitch. It was quite possibly the funniest thing I've ever seen on a football pitch. And more of that, please. Think of the Euros, right? Mm. Think about what what Ronaldo's done over the last 12 months. He's won two Champions Leagues. Mm -hmm. I mean... Let's say it's only one. If it's, if, I mean, I don't know when the final was last year, but it's probably Whatever, two. Let's call it thirteen months. Yeah, the Euros where he mm. coached Portugal to the title in the final. <laughs> I mean, that, that, stood on the sideline and shouted. Exactly, but I mean that's a similar thing to when they were playing against Hungary. I mean, it's just he, he gets out there and he's just pushing everyone along. Yeah. Um, yeah. The FIFA Club World Cup. Did they win the Super Cup? I mean, it's, it's an unimportant, unimportant title, but matter, I mean, yeah. Pff, yeah, yeah. La Liga for the first time in five years. Mm-hmm. Luka Modric. Oh, he's majestic. The best midfielder in the world. And also my twin. I was going to wait, waiting for you to say that. Did, I, did we talk about that before? No, you, okay. you tweeted it, but uh, I was yeah. wondering if it was... Uh, I, I can see it. There. We've both got the, the same large nose, is what I would say. Now, what I was going to ask he's is, which one's the more talented twin? <laughs> well, I don't want Ian, to, of course. <laughs> I don't want to put Luca down. I went to Croatia on holidays last summer, and uh, I was a bit disappointed that nobody actually came up to me and said, hey... You look like our national you need hero. To grow your hair out again. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. Then you'll look more like him. Then when you when you get it down to shoulder length or whatever. Yeah, I need to get it down uh-huh. to shoulder. Back length. to shoulder length. Yeah. 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 But anyway, I would put it out there that he is the best midfielder in the world right now. He was certainly yeah phenomenal. He was in outstanding the, in, the final. in that final. That run to set up Ronaldo's second goal. Um, Just his, his general all-round intelligence. Yeah, the way the way him and Cross control that midfield is mm. is a joy to watch, and it's uh, a lot of their work I think goes undetected as well, or is mm-hmm. sort of overshadowed by the headlines that Ronaldo creates. I thought Cross was magnificent. But I just thought Modric was just a just a little step ahead. Yeah, he was more of a driving force I think in the game mm-hmm. than Cross was. Um, but yeah, in terms of it being sort of undetected a lot of the time, I think it's always been the same for players like that. Um, the the kind of tidy work that they do and keeping the ball moving, keeping things ticking over, um, that often doesn't get the attention that the Ronaldo goals get. Um, and so I think you're always going to have that to an extent. But yeah, certainly Modric is. He got a lot of credit after that final, deservedly so. I presume Ronaldo got man of the match. Probably did. I don't even know. I had to run off and do a live interview. Okay. About five minutes after the final yeah, you were so too busy I, I, yeah anyway one of the key questions I have for you Nick following the final is should the kids and wives be allowed on the pitch why not I mean it's I think um, it's one of the greatest moments in your career regardless of whether you want it now for the third time or the first time and you want to celebrate with the people closest to you I think uh, I wasn't expecting you to say that really yeah 
Um, I thought you'd be a bit more misanthropic about it. I'm, so. I'm actually more says about. I mean, there's there's so many cameras out there and so many photographers. I think you can you can cut down cut that down a bit. I understand that, that you know news outlets need to get their their pictures, but let the let the let the footballers enjoy their their triumph and enjoy it with their families. Well, I'm disappointed in you. Sorry. What's your issue with it? They don't need to be there. They haven't done anything. No, they haven't done anything. But I mean, if it's one of the greatest days of your life, you may want you want to celebrate with the people closest to you, which are your teammates and your That's family. What the post-match party is for, where the kids are in bed by that point, and they flew back to Madrid as well. I mean, this is oh, they flew back that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, get, get themselves to Sevilla. Well, that's probably enough about the Champions League final for now. <laughs> anyway. Wait, you're um, not going to talk about Cuadrado and Ramos? Bloody Ramos, we're crying out loud. Uh, yeah. Sending Cuadrado, uh, getting Cuadrado yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the less we say about that, the better. I, okay. think. I think everybody knows by now what type of... Everybody knows what type of player Sergio Ramos is. Uh, this week, the transfer window is in full swing and one of the more interesting moves so far has been Saeed Kalasinac. Close. Saeed Kalasinac. Oh. Sayed Kalasinac's move to Arsenal from Schalke. <laughs> However you pronounce his name, he's going to be a good signing for Arsenal. Is he not, gentlemen? Do you want to go first, Arsenal fan? Or? Sure, I'll jump in. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a brilliant signing for Arsenal. Um, physically, Kalasinac is a monster. You just have to look at him and you see the, the sort of broad shoulders, the big sort of barrel chest. Gets it from his father. Does he? Yeah. I'm not acquainted. His father is Kalazanak Senior. A quite a big barrel chest. He's a large gent, well. is he? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but Sayad, regardless of whether his father is or not, is uh, quite an aggressive defender as well. Like he uses his size, he uses his strength very well. Um, he's nicknamed Hulk in Bosnia. Oh, it's a good nickname, that. For, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's also known as the Tank, so you get an impression of what he, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a player Jeez, he is. I'd love a nickname like that. Yeah. Um, he also, though, considering he's, he's like um, this sort of big, burly, muscular guy, he's also quite quick for a man of his size. Um, and there was a brilliant goal that he scored against Mainz this season where you could see all of his abilities and all of his uh, attributes kind of in action. Um, so sort of charging in from his own half at left wing back there, um, played a couple of uh, one-twos and charged into the box, slammed the ball past the keeper. Brilliant goal, everything on show, the pace, the power, the strength and a good finish as well, good left foot. Um, he is known more for his defensive work, but I think the attacking work is something that he's really built on this season. He scored three goals in the Bundesliga this season. Set up five. Set up five more, exactly. So, I mean, eight goals and assists is pretty good from fullback or wingback. Mm. Um, so that's definitely something that Arsenal will be looking to. But I think the way Arsenal play, he will be expected to be more defensive or the more defensive of the two wingbacks. Could you see him shifting almost as a left midfielder at times? Yeah, I think in that formation that Arsenal are playing at the moment with three centre-backs and then two wing-backs, the wing-backs have to be both midfielders and defenders. You know, you, you can't really get away with doing one or the other. Um, but Arsenal usually play with a more attacking right-sided defender. Um, Hector Bellerin, of course, is the main one at the moment. Even if he goes to Barcelona, you'd expect Oxlade-Chamberlain to take over at right wing-back. He's played a few games there towards the end of the season and done very well. Um, and both of those players obviously love getting up the wing. They love having licence to roam uh, forward. So I would expect Kolasinac to be a bit more defensive than the other right. uh, fullback or wingback, whoever he's playing with. Um, I think it'll also benefit from having Monreal behind him. You know, Wenger's talked 
after after the signing of Kalazanak, Wenger talked about Monreal and said he's been playing more centre back recently, which is certainly true. Um, played there in the cup final, of course, and he's done a pretty good job there. I, I remember seeing him last season or maybe the season before that playing centre back in a back four, mm-hmm. and he was a nightmare. He was an absolute categorical disaster. Right, but in the back three. He's looked pretty good. He's looked solid. It's a bit like David Luiz. Yeah, and <laughs> and um, so I think Kalazanak will benefit from having someone who knows the role that he's playing, playing right next to him. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think to, you're a, you're a fan. I'm a fan. I think it's a good signing for the for the first eleven generally, and, and to free. get him on a free <clears throat> is insane. Schalke really need to start being careful because they could lose a couple more on frees as well. Are you as big a fan as well, Nick? Absolutely. I mean, this season, Kolasinac's been one of the biggest players for Schalke, who had an awful season, for, season. For, 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 the, for their standards. And he was one of the one of the stars, really. Um, I mean, you said he, he, he set up five goals, I mean, in both in the Europa League as well. There's two more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so And he spent half the season at the back and half the season in mid- midfield, so he can play both positions, which will be good for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I was going to say was, as well, with, I mean, Monreal hasn't scored a goal this season. For Arsenal, right? He did in the in the cup semi final. He scored a pretty important one in the league. Uh, he had that whether you count it as his goal or an own goal. I think it was counted as an own goal against Leicester at the Emirates. Okay, um, but it, it took a big deflection off Robert Hood. because okay, so. I read that he hadn't scored a goal. And I think yeah. having having the two of them on the left hand side will, will really help Arsenal in the coming season. Uh, yeah. it, and so, as you just said, getting him on a free. It's a steal. It's incredible value. It's he's about to turn steal. 24 as well. So yeah, he's next week he's turning yeah. 24 on the 20th. Well, happy yeah. birthday. Mm-hmm. Some breaking news this afternoon, of course, is Serge Gnabry leaving Vedder Bremen. We think he's going to Hoffenheim. He's certainly not going to Bayern. I'll leave this to the Bremen fans. This right? is this is painful for me because I've actually enjoyed having him in Bremen this season. Oh, I forget you're a Bremen fan. Yeah, yeah people, well, I mean, why, mm. most people wonder why I would be a Bremen fan, but they're a very cool team to follow and be a fan of. Um, Sorry, Serge. Yeah, I've been a fan for over... Let's get fifteen to, years. Sorry. Let's get to the good. Let's <laughs> get to good um, Well, he's been he's been good since he came in for came in from Arsenal last season at the beginning of this season or beginning of last season. And um, granted, Bremen have had Max Kruser and, and Finn Bartels uh, up front as well. But the, the combination of the three is, has worked wonders. Gnabry was especially good away from home. I think he scored nice percentage of his goals away from home. Um, he's triggered this clause in his contract, so it hasn't come from a club asking about him or anything. So he obviously wants to leave. I thought at the beginning of the season when he signed the two-year con- contract that he'd stay for the two years. I, I generally thought coming from Arsenal where he hadn't had that much playing time and coming to the Bundesliga to a mid-table side or a tie- side which had been fighting battling relegation the season beforehand that he'd finally get the chance to prove his worth, which he has done. And I just hope that he'd be staying for another season. Yeah, but if made, he's going to Hoffenheim, it's probably a good move for him. I thought it would make sense for him just to settle down and sort of just for a, another another season at least and just you know get some roots and mm. you know get a decent amount of form under his boots I think that's, that's a mistake a which a lot of young players make is that as soon as they get they see the opportunity to go somewhere else which might be more um, well often I'm playing the Champions League mm-hmm. right so yeah. have the chance to play in the Champions League again they leave too early and <clears throat> join a team where they pr- might not get the chance to play however Hoffenheim's a relatively young side um, and I doubt that he will be sitting on the bench in Hoffenheim. Yeah, I think that's an important point. If he was moving to Dortmund or Bayern, a lot of people have been talking, even uh, when he moved to Bremen, people were saying it's just a stopgap on his eventual move to Bayern. If he was going to Bayern, I would say this is a mistake because he won't get the game time. He'll be competing with the likes of Robin, Ribéry, be Kumar, the same as Arsenal. You know, yep. Exactly. Um, but going to Hoffenheim, I think he'll be, at the start at least, more or less guaranteed a place and then depend on performances, obviously. But... He'll, he'll certainly get far more of a chance 
Um, he'll be able to test himself at Champions League level again, which I think he played in the Champions League for Arsenal, but obviously he didn't get a huge amount of game time there. Um, I would like to have seen him stay at Bremen for another season as well. I, uh, he, he had a brilliant first half of the season and then struggled with injuries a bit in the second half. Didn't get the the same amount of game time. So I would like to have seen him really build on that and, mm-hmm. and build on what turned out to be um, an excellent um, Bremen performance in the second half of the season as well when Delaney came in. Yeah. Um, and Cruiser started banging in the goals. Um, I think they, with Nori, really could have built something next season um, and still could. But you can't argue really with moving to a Champions League team and to play under Julian Nagelsmann as well, who I'm sure we'll talk more about. Okay, it's that time of the season again where we take stock of all that has gone and break it down into easy, digestible categories. With that in mind, let's start the One Football Podcast Awards. (laughs) It's the one that they all look out for, for sure. Let's start with Player of the Season. Who have you gone for, Nick? I went for Kante. What? Yeah, I went for Kante. You have the whole of Europe and you go for N'Golo Kante. Well, yeah. He was the difference of 44 points for Chelsea. He alone. He well, alone. he's not he alone, but I mean, he's... Fine, it's the details, but I found Kante, considering he came from Leicester and it could have gone all pear-shaped coming from a smaller side, he proved his, he proved himself, he did really, really well. Chelsea are champions again, and uh, he had he played a big part in it. Oli? I'm not going with Kante. I'm going with Falcao. Ooh. That's my call. I noticed there's no mention of Ronaldo here. I uh, I think it's like a bit too obvious, isn't yeah. it? To go okay, Ronaldo. We'll, we'll give you Falcao. All right, Falcao because... Um, so in the last two seasons before this one, Falcao scored a combined total of seven goals. This season he scored 28 in the league and Champions League. Uh, he was the figurehead for that great Monaco team that we've all loved watching this season. He helped drive them to the, the French title. He was their top scorer in the league by... I think he scored six goals more than Mbappé. Um, and he scored important goals in the Champions League in, against uh, Man City, against Dortmund as well. Um, so a couple that's of beautiful why, goals as well. A couple of absolutely beautiful goals. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why Falcao was my pick. Well, it's nice to see him resurrected like that. I yeah, I think that's it. It's the it's yeah. him coming back to yeah. something approaching his best as one of the world's best players. That's what does because he was me. always a joy to watch, and it was a shame that he died a death at Chelsea and United. Yeah. And it's uh, nice to see. yeah, seeing someone come back to life like that, and you know, it, it really does warm the soul. Did you have a game of the season? I did. Oh, well, I think I know the answer to this, and there's really only one answer to it. But go on, I'll no, I'll let you go. <laughs> it's a Bundesliga game. Oh no! Mm-hmm. It, was, oh. it was entertaining to watch. Bayern versus Leipzig, five four. Okay. Okay, okay, match day thirty three. Yeah, Leipzig took a one 0 lead. Went with one one. 2-1 for Leipzig, 3-1 for Leipzig, 3-2, 4-2 for Leipzig, 84th minute, and then that's when Bayern came back and scored two more goals and won 5-4. And Robin's goal in, in stoppage <clears throat> time to win it was sensational. It wasn't. Oh, it, it's was. one of the goals of the season. It's not my goal of the season, but it, it, was one of, it was on my short list. But that was an incredible game to watch. Primarily because that, that match day, there was a couple of other games with lots and lots of goals in it, so it all got very, very exciting very quickly. Um, but that was, considering Leipzig were the promoted side, they were finishing second in the league, they were taking on Bayern, and they actually looked like they could beat Bayern, and then they didn't. Mm-hmm. I was producing the Bundesliga, <clears throat> uh, the, the DW Bundesliga show that day, and it was a nightmare watching all these goals go in at the end. It just threw all of our plans out the window. Yeah, I can imagine. Because it was the same day Bremen were playing at Hoffenheim, that was 5-3. Yeah. 
So it was all these gold going in, but that was that was the pick for me. Just okay. Of the, uh, well, you time. got it wrong, but let's see. If, I got it wrong. Let's see if Ali got it right. Nick got it wrong, but fortunately, I've got it right. It was City five, Monaco three in the oh, Champions League. No, that was a an incredible game to watch, and there were numerous moments. I was I was working for DW that night. I was manning the sports desk, and there were numerous moments where I let out sounds of ecstasy mm-hmm. that shouldn't really be heard in an office environment. Um, I think it's you, it's important to celebrate these moments. Absolutely. The, the way it swung one way and then the other, uh, Falcao, who I've just mentioned, there is a bit of a theme to my awards, so I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but also uh, Mbappe, you know, and uh, City as well. Leroy Sané was excellent in that game. Scored, I think it was City's fifth goal. John Stones, of all people, getting on the score sheet. Aguero. I, the game had everything for me, so that's why it's mine. Okay, well, the answer, of course, was Barcelona's comeback against PSG. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Bit uh, one-sided to be game of the season, no? I, I mean, think the epic nature of the comeback and the fact that they were still so far down with just so few minutes to play and that they managed to do it and, you know, resurrection is obviously a theme of the podcast mm-hmm. today, but just to spring back into life like that. I mean, obviously it was cut short because he got knocked out in the next round, but that shouldn't take away from what a brilliant, brilliant match that was. Arguably the greatest, we talked about it before, arguably the greatest comeback of all time in football. Probably, like it, yeah. Like incredible. Like stage, yeah. And that the nature of the goal, and it wasn't even Messi or Neymar who scored the winning goal, that it was Sergi Roberto. Sergi Roberto. <laughs> people. Which just makes it all the more beautiful for me. So mm. you were both wrong, but nice efforts. Oh, thanks. Ollie, I've got thanks, a feeling man. we're not going to be coming back next season. No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, goal of the season? That was tough. Um, and I've still got six names, six six goals in front of me. Oh, you've only... Well, let's. you can have a think about right. it for a second. We'll let Ollie I've, go I've into chosen, his... Don't worry. Go on. Yeah, I have yeah, chosen. Right okay. I mean, even though Snow Scrabbery is leaving, he had a wonder goal against Gladbach. My goal of the oh, season is Diego Perotti. Rabona versus Victoria Pilsen in the Europa League. Ooh, Ooh. Everybody loves a Rabona. Yeah, fair yeah. play. I hadn't thought of that one. I'd actually forgotten about that. Someone in the office recently that. asked what a Rabona was. Oh, and you fired them on the spot. Cute. If only I had that power. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was an incredible goal, and it was. I was going through through reels again last night just to refresh my memory and when I saw that again I was like ah yes well okay. that's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. that's definitely the one I remember that one now and I'm going to have to YouTube that when I get home I enjoyed Mario Mandzukic's goal in the Champions League final that's glorious yeah it? that's definitely for a man of his height and build to get his arse that high in the air <laughs> is impressive <clears throat> somebody was trying to tell me it was better than Zidane's they were wrong about that yeah, it's the best this decade. Now and then. It's the best Champions League goal this decade. The Zidane, Zidane goes this. No, oh, no, this, this decade. decade. Oh, okay, that, but it's not better than Zidane's. No, no. no. Okay, done. Did you have a goal? I yeah, I do. Uh, I, as much as I'd love to say Giroud's against Palace, the the scorpion kick from an Arsenal fan's point. That of view. was ruined by the fact that he celebrated the next week by reenacting uh, Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, that was another. Um, that was another one I was thinking about for game of the season because of the way that Arsenal three 0 down came okay. back. And anyway. Um, but no, I'm, I'm going back to my uh, already existing theme and saying Falcao against City. My God. Oh, the, with the, the the chip, the dink. Yeah, oh. that I, when I said I made certain noises that should not be heard in a newsroom, that was the the worst of the lot. <laughs> the, I, the dink is the most beautiful of all the goals. It is, and that one I celebrated that one so loudly, even though I'm not obviously a Monaco fan. Uh, that someone who was at the other end of the corridor, like sort of. 30 metres away or something like that 
ran out of their office and charged down the corridor to see what had happened. That's worth and, the charge. Yeah. And oh, I, there was someone else in the office as well. And we, we just sort of looked at each other in amazement at what had just happened. The best part is how they leave with the dink is how they, the goalkeeper looks so foolish. Yeah. That's what makes it so mm-hmm. great. I would like to point out that we share a floor <clears throat> with the culture department. So if you got someone from the culture department to run down the hallway <laughs> to come mm-hmm. see a goal, mm-hmm. I do not want to know what that sound was. Mm. I'll make it for you one day, Nick. Manager of the season? Um, I don't know if there's a right one to this. I think I know who you're going to say. But... Oh, there is a right one to this. Yes, there is a right answer to this one. I'm going to have to go with Zidane. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Yeah. I mean, never keep, thought he said. So. Well, I, I had to think about think about it hard. It was difficult for me. Um, and no, I wasn't going to say Nuri. Um, <laughs> Zidane, twenty Champions League games, two titles as a coach. Boom. I mean, how? Who, who's done that? He's got two Champions League titles, same as Alex Ferguson, same as Pep Guardiola, same as Mourinho, and he's done it in twenty games. That's so, astounding, though. Twenty games, and he has the same amount of Champions League titles as Pep and Mourinho and Alex Ferguson. You know, also the first since the. Is it late fifties or something like that to win both the league and the Champions League for Real in oh, the same for season Real. for Real in the same season? Because be a lot of their Champions League wins have come when they haven't actually won La Liga. So. Okay, so you got the right answer, but uh, Ali, did you? You obviously didn't answer Dan. No. Of if you go for Jardim, <laughs> <laughs> I did think about it. He, okay. He's. Uh, I think his achievements have been fantastic this season, Jardim. But no, I've not gone for him. I've gone for someone, you might moan when I say it, but I've gone for Julian Nagelsmann. Oh, no, that's not a bad shot. He, I like Julian. The, the turnaround that Nagelsmann has uh, brought in at Hoffenheim has been nothing short of amazing. They were dead and buried last season in about, what was it, February or March when he came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were gone. They were, they were definitely getting relegated. There was no question about it. He kept them up. And this season, he I think they lost Folland last summer, didn't they, who'd been one of Hoffenheim's kind of key players mm. for several seasons before that. He, um, despite that, has gotten to fourth in the Bundesliga Champions League qualification. You know, they've got qualified to get through first, of course, but um, it's the first time Ch- uh, Hoffenheim will have been in the Champions League. In European competition at all. In European competition at all. Um, It's stunning. And he will be a Champions League winning coach within five years, I would say. With with Bayern. With Bayern or, yeah, I mean, pick pick a club. Okay, we've got two more categories to get through. We've got the biggest disappointment and what we would like to see change for next season. Let's start with the biggest disappointment. I also have a right answer for this. (laughs) Pressure. Didn't realise this was a test. I, well, I would like to keep you, you know, I'd like to keep you on your toes, keep a bit of jazz to the after, podcast. After Saturday's final, I'm going to have to see Juventus. I was really disappointed because <sighs> they just, they, they've won the, the, the double, was it three years in a row? Yeah. Every two, year. Sorry, two, two of the last three years. No, I think they've done it three years in a row. They definitely won the league title every year. Mm. The fact is they made it, this is, this was their best chance to win a Champions League final and they cocked it up. Like it was, it was, a, it was a situation where I thought going into that final, they were going to win it. Madrid for the first time Juventus were good in defence and at the front and they didn't do it so that's why I'm disappointed Gonzalo Higuain hold your head in shame Uh, do you want to see if you can get the right answer to this one yeah the right answer is of course Man United and Jose Mourinho correct good Yeah, glad you think so Um, I know they've won two tournaments three Uh, no two tournaments three trophies if you can't (laughs) Community Shield's a one-off game it's not a tournament um but if you'd asked any Man United fan at the start of the season, if you said to them, OK, you're going to get Jose Mourinho in as coach, you're going to sign Zlatan Ibrahimovic on a free, you're going to get Pogba in for a billion euros or whatever it is, 
Um, you're going to sign Henrik Mkhitaryan as well. You're going to sign this uh, big beast centre back too. You've all these wonder kids coming you've through. Got all these, yeah, you've got Martial and Rashford, Rashford. and so on. Yeah. Um, you know, Luke Shaw's lost weight. All that. Um, that should have been the key, or the, all the ingredients that they needed for uh, the Man United of old to come back. Uh, and if I think if you'd asked a Man United fan, any Man United fan at the start of the season, um, they would have said at least challenge for the title right up until the last stages of the season. They were never in it. Well, one of us in this room tipped Man United to win the league. I'm not going to name names because it would only leave me red-faced. <laughs> uh, now, so you were right about that. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm I should have kept I'm, score for this. I'm glad you took it. I think it was 1-1 in the end. Okay. I'm glad you took it off me because I did have United on my list yesterday but I scratched it after. Okay. More detailed thought. A more accurate answer would have been Paul Pogba. But I'll take Man United and Jose Mourinho. Mm. Anyway, we're running out of time here, so let's get through. What would we like to see change for next season? Um, yeah, this is always an interesting one for me. Well, there's going to be a change in the Bundesliga next season. It's going to have the, our very first female referee. Which is great news. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'd like to see more of it. So yeah. that's the change I'd like to see next season. More female referees because they can do the job just as well as men, men, most men can. And uh, I've seen uh, Barbara in action. It is Barbara, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She, goes, she goes by the nickname Bibi. Yeah. She's she's in a relationship with uh, Howard Webb. With Howard Webb, yeah. Really? I saw her at a Union Berlin game. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Just in the stands? Or no, no, no. She was refereeing. Okay. She was refereeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She should have been promoted. Did a perfectly the, good job. She should have been yeah. promoted to the Bundesliga last year, but because she had enough. There's like a point yeah. system with German refereeing. Yeah. She should have been promoted last season, but she didn't. She, she did the Women's Champions League final this year as yeah. well, didn't she? Yeah. Both yeah. Champions League okay, finals done by Germans. That is an excellent answer, Nick. Yeah. Congratulations. I agree. There's another point for you. Uh, mine is a Bundesliga specific one and is to get rid of the relegation playoff this awful playoff system that they have in Germany whereby the third bottom team plays against the third top team in the from the second division for for the right to play in the in the top division next season this season it was Wolfsburg against Braunschweig and um, Wolfsburg won as the top division team almost always does it's now two teams in nine seasons have been promoted via the playoff method. Um, and understandably so, because you've got a team playing top-level football against a team playing second-division-level football, and suddenly the second-division team is expected to up their game and play against better opposition at the end of a long season. It's To me, it's nonsense, and it leads to this stagnation in the Bundesliga where teams get rewarded for mediocrity. Um, it would have been much better to see Wolfsburg go down this season and see Braunschweig come up, get more variety in the Bundesliga and punish teams for underperforming. And not just see Braunschweig, but maybe do it like they do in the UK. As in have third through sixth in a playoff. And sure. But, or I'd be happy top for, three. Yeah, uh, I'd be happy for another playoff system. You know, if you'd had Braunschweig playing Union Berlin for a, for a place in the top division, I would have been absolutely fine with that. But this second chance that you give to a team that's been crap all season in the Bundesliga... And totally underperformed despite having too much money. Hamburg. Tell us tell us how you really feel about it, Ollie. <laughs> anyway, that's all from us today. My thanks as ever to Nick, Ollie, and our producer Demo. And that's all from us for the summer. It's the last, pod- yeah, last podcast of the summer. We will be back in August for sure. Thanks for listening throughout this season. And should you miss us, there's always the back catalogue on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your preferred mode of listening. Enjoy the summer. Mm-hmm.